Hi, this is Father Nathan. Welcome to this episode of The Joyful Friar. This is segment three of three on the story that's in my first Afterlife Interrupted book, Don and First Responder Ralph. Don, if you recall, was a, a 27-year-old man coming back from a working lunch with colleagues. They were going very slowly through a construction zone on a freeway in what turned out to be Savannah. I thought it might have been Atlanta or Charlotte. Something about it seemed like a southern city that was growing rapidly and whose freeways were struggling to keep up with the growth. Don explained that it was Savannah. There was a construction-related accident that took the life of Don and disfigured his face in a way that sent him spiraling or looping in the afterlife. So we've talked about that in the in the first of the uh, the, the first of these three. And then in the second episode, we talked about compassionate response to some of the issues that were raised in the, the uh, Don and Ralph story. Today, I want to go into the third and final component, which we call spiritual practice that might arise uh, or suggest itself from this story. So I have a few ideas to add. One of them has to do with the way that we imagine our appearance, especially our faces. Don struggled during his short life as a young man with what he looked like and what others thought he looked like or said he looked like. He loved it when he had the unusual opportunity to get dressed up for something like a prom or a formal dance, like a Valentine's dance or something that might happen in a fraternity sorority setting. You might be you've been through some of that, the corsage and the rented outfit or whatever. Maybe it's uh, for a wedding that you were invited to be in uh, where you went to some trouble and maybe some expense to look your very best. He had really happy memories of that in the afterlife. Enough that it kind of carried him th through or over the awful experience of being out of body after his accidental death and seeing what his face looked like. It was a bloody, gory mess. He was just grossed out by what he looked like. And the shock of what he looked like in death had a very outsized impact on his thinking in the afterlife. That he was stuck being this bloody, nasty mess. His response to it was white-hot anger that people had been so incompetent as to put the traveling public in such peril that it had this effect on him. And he just stayed in a loop of anger that he said drowned out every other thought. He couldn't hear anything for a while other than his own anger. So um, I thought it, it good for us to talk a little bit about anger. There's all kinds of ways that anger can go. Anger is an emotion, so it isn't necessarily positive or negative, it doesn't need to be judged. It simply is at the outset. Uh, the impact that it might have later might call for some critical judgment, but anger is a, an emotional response to some stimuli. I looked up the word as I want to do. Uh, what does anger mean? And what uh, because it's an abstraction, it has to come from something concrete. That's the way that etymology works when people get together to decide on some abstract idea and how to talk about it and, and form words for it, they often move from 
the experience as something tangible and concrete. In this case, anger is related to the idea of narrowing in a painful way, squeezing something into a tight space, something about pain that's caused by the constriction of something. Isn't that interesting? That anger somehow takes a field of vision and narrows it in a way that's painful. And that certainly applied to Don. He was in afterlife pain, not because anybody was inflicting new pain on him. It was that his thoughts were causing him pain. His anger about something that now couldn't be changed, it couldn't be resolved. He just stayed in anger. And it, his anger was so loud, he couldn't hear anything else. I wonder if just the definition of anger as a painful narrowing might help you. Are you angry about something in a way that's making your broad, vistaed life narrow? I, almost like imprisoned. Is there a way that your anger about something that's happened, either to you as an individual or people around you or whatever it is that has, has uh, aroused anger in you, is the way the anger is functioning in your life narrowing and painful to you? And in the narrowing, it sounds like the narrowing is also taking away freedom and options. That was the case for Don. He didn't feel free to do anything because he was just so angry. Have you experienced that? that the way that anger can sometimes make you feel less free and having fewer options to choose from because you're just so angry about something? If that's the case, pause. Ask for the spirit of truth to come and be with you. Sit still in meditation, five to seven minutes at least, and sit still and say, is, it, is the season for this particular expression of anger over? So another way I could be angry that's not so painful and limiting and constricting. Could I let loose of some of it and just say, I'm tired of being that angry about this thing. It's it's your life, after all. You're not forced to be the way that were your, you were yesterday just because that's the way you were. Maybe it's just time. And, and, and it could be that the Holy Spirit helps you if you ask for that gift. Yeah, I have the gift to help see this in another way. Or th there might be just the opportunity to speak to some wise other person, either formally in counseling or seeking out uh, in a less formal way, the counsel of someone you believe to be wise and compassionate saying, can you help me think of a different way to handle the anger that I have so that it isn't painfully constricting and limiting my freedom? I thought that was worth a, a shot. Now, the fact that uh, Don, it was really his face that was the focal point of his anger. And if you know his story, it was afterlife costuming that helped him begin to change. In the afterlife, he had something like access to, uh, I don't know, theatrical uh, costume department or something. He had the opportunity to get dressed in powdered wigs and fluffy or uh, uh, uh clothing, uh, things that men might have worn in different times and places that were that were uh, elaborate. He enjoyed doing that. He talked about being 
uh, dressed for at one point like you might have been, you know, invited to a costume party as some gangster from the Roaring Twenties. Anyway, he was he was playing around with just looking different in ways that were pleasant to him and appealing. Well, here's an exercise that I'd like to propose to you if you have trouble with your own physical appearance. Maybe you look you used to look better to yourself than you think you do now. I'm looking at my nearly 67-year-old face and it's it's fuller than it used to be. I used to be thinner. Uh, I used to have blonder hair. Um, and there are times when I see images of me and go, oh my God, let's get rid of that picture. But can you just laugh about it? Or can you just, uh, can can you get over whatever it is that there might be about the way that you, that you appear, not just your face, but you could be your whole sense of your body. One thing that you might do is either stand in front of a mirror, for example, a bathroom mirror, if it's just, you know, your upper body, the way that I might look at myself when I'm shaving in the morning, or a full-length mirror, if uh, if it's more um, uh, something about the whole of your body, your torso, your weight, your shape, um, your, your stance. Can you put yourself in a, in a circumstance where you're looking at what you look like? Pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remind yourself that the one that who created you made you out of love is Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, um, who just looks at you with love and loves you. Even if you did have a face, you know, that, that uh, kind of snide, backhanded compliment about having a face only a mother could love. Well, oh, so what? <laughs> If if that's if that applies to you, your heavenly father, your heavenly mother, if you will, uh, can they can you just allow yourself to be looked at with love? Can you look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful," only one word, and say that like for a minute or two or three. Sometimes when I'm doing it, I'll time an exercise like that, and I'll just have my iPhone, and I'll put it on the timer. And if I were to do that, if that, it's really not my issue. I don't, I, um, but I, I have other meditations where I set the timer because I want to stay in the discipline of doing a thing for a certain amount of time so that it sinks in. And if you have trouble with, uh, uh, a, 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 an idea about the way you appear that saddens you, angers you, frustrates you, something like that. Maybe you set a timer for three minutes and you just make eye contact with yourself in the mirror and say, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Sometimes I'll think of even, uh, even this uh, touch screen. I have to stay with the camera so it sees my my hand but what if god could just touch the screen the creator could say to you beautiful 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 so it might be you calling yourself beautiful it might be you calling god beautiful it might be god speaking through you to call you beautiful 
just stay with the idea that you're beautiful because you were made of beauty. You came from beauty. You embody beauty. You'll always be beautiful. I was recently at the uh, baptism of my niece's daughter. She's several months old now and has the beautiful face of a child that's several months old. But I've also seen pictures of uh, babies moments after they leave the womb and they're really not that pretty. <laughs> they're, they're kind of wrinkly and, and uh, red faced and covered with goo or whatever, not necessarily uh, uh, my idea of beautiful, except how could you not see a newborn child and think, wow, beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. So that's worth a try. At least it could be if that if that's uh, an issue that's a struggle for you. One thing that um, that struck me with the way that Don eventually moved out of his problem, he hadn't really turned a corner completely about his physical appearance. When we asked him about who he might like to have come for him even though he was aware that he didn't have to stay in with that idea of having the bloody, awful face, he could try on clothes and be happy with the way he looked and so on. He was still defaulting to the idea of uh, his face looking the way it did immediately after the accident that caused his death. So, in other words, he wasn't in a completely perfected state that enabled him to move along. He was good enough. Sometimes good enough. You have to pray for good enough or accept that what is is good enough. He took what he had, his bloodied face, and then he formed a new idea. Rather than it just being repulsive and the uh, impetus for anger that narrowed him and was painful, he formed a new idea. He said, well, if somebody's supposed to come for me and I don't want it to be somebody that I know that would have to see me in this ugly state, what about people that do that for a living? Aren't there some people who are used to seeing bloodied, gory messes on highways, like ambulance workers or firemen or policemen, first responders? What if somebody like that came? Well, we asked him, have you asked? And he said, no. And he said, well, would you be willing to try that? And as soon as he said yes, and as soon as we said a little prayer and asked for that to be, if you know the story, Ralph shows up out of a deep afterlife sleep. And he was a first responder who died traumatically because somebody ran into his ambulance. And then Ralph was the one to help uh, Don move along. Well, That only was possible because Don was able to form the idea that it would be okay. There are some people that are used to seeing messes, kind of like the mess that I am. I'd be okay with somebody like that. Now, for whatever your problem is, could you do something incremental like that? Instead of praying for your circumstance to change completely, you could still pray for that or for it to change you know, partially, but could you also say, but even the way I am right now, God, could you take that and work with it? Could, could it's create, it's creativity. Could you somehow 
find a, an unusual way to work through this circumstance that I find myself in. Because there are people that do all kind of odd jobs. Good God, look at me. <laughs> I can hardly believe my life a lot of the time. I don't know how I can ask other people to, but I do. Uh, God is just doing marvelous things. And if some of them are as weird as me, well, then so be it. Nevertheless, uh, there are people that are used to seeing bloody messes. And Don just said, could you send me somebody like that? Could you do something similar if you need to? Finally, could you be Ralph for somebody else? We hardly got to talk with Ralph at all. He was only there briefly. We didn't do a follow-up conversation with him. Don said that in the afterlife, he couldn't even remember his name. He called him John, I think. He said, no, we, it was, his name is Ralph. And he said, oh, that's right, it was Ralph. He said, well, I thanked him from my heart, but we didn't go on and become buddies any more than you normally do with an ambulance worker. He was somebody that did his job and did it well and did it with compassion, and I thanked him, and that was that. Well, is there an opportunity for you to be like that for somebody around you? It might be something that you can kind of see in advance or pray your way into or think or watch and listen, because I, I'm often at churches in the announcement part near the end of a lot of masses, there are three or four or five announcements of different things, and several of them pertain to service opportunities. You know, we live near the uh, U.S.-Mexican border in Tucson, and there's always uh, issues around, uh, regardless of why, what you think about immigration and so on, the truth of the matter is there are people here at our doorstep needing everything at once. And many of them have run away from drug cartels and a horrible lives and I've dealt enough uh, with the cartels and stuff in uh, some of this work that I do that I don't I don't have any trouble believing that people are in dire circumstances that they feel like they risk their lives and their children's lives to free, flee from. Didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but that or any other thing, there's always helpful things that we could be doing for somebody near us. And some of them could be considered heroic, that we went out of our way. Ralph was just asleep when his pager went off. The spirit tapped him on the shoulder and said, Psst, would you help? If you allow any kind of quietude, if you were to just be still and say, how can I help? Just get ready because the Holy Spirit will point you in the direction of some things. And you, you have to know already that for people who live lives of service, you hear them say over and over again, um, I, I did this act that I thought was going to be a kindness and it came back to me so many times over. Seeing a, a bumper sticker the other day, it was a, a bumper sticker of a, a dog's paw and it said, who saved who? So it must have been somebody that was uh, adopted a rescue dog and who saved who? You know, it could be that... Um, the kindness that you do comes back to you many times over. So you might ask uh, for Ralph's intercession and say a prayer and say, hey, Ralph, get over here and help me out with this. Um, if you're inclined to pray that way, as I am, uh, I, I think it's time for me to be the first responder, to come and respond to somebody that's in need. And that might help me um, in, a, in a roundabout way. Okay, well, that's, that's uh, it for Don and first responder Ralph. 
if you're only hearing about their story through these little podcasts, remember the stories told in full in the first of the two Afterlife Interrupted books. You can find those via the website and on through Amazon. If you'd like to be in touch, please uh, contact me through the website. On the, There's a contact form and it'll shoot an email to me. And I'm on my email quite a lot. I, I try to be as responsive to it as I can. Please just don't contact me or Facebook Messenger. I just don't want to conduct business through a Facebook Messenger. The uh, email through my website is best. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for being with me. And uh, uh, if you would, please, if, if you think that this podcast is something that has been beneficial to you, that someone you know might enjoy, would you mind recommending it to them? That's the way these kind of things spread and grow. Okay. Well, God bless you. Until next time. This is the Joyful Friar, Father Nathan. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joyful Friar. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message by clicking the contact button. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a donation by clicking the donate button. See you next time. God bless.